after the sin of Israel at the base of Mount Sinai, God said his presence couldn't be with them anymore. And the people wept. Today on Rooted Daily, we're looking at how their repentance and the intercession of Moses brought God back to his people. Welcome to Rooted Daily, the podcast where we're rooting ourselves in the Bible so we can grow with God a little more every day. I'm Brandon Levy, and when Moses returns from receiving the law from the Lord, he finds Aaron in the middle of this idolatrous party. He smashes the tablets of stone that the commandments were carved on because the covenant they instituted on the mountain was broken. Then he asks Aaron, Aaron, what on earth happened? All you had to do was wait. And how does Aaron respond? I don't know, Moses. The people gave me all this gold, and before I even knew it, there was that golden gaff. It was a lame excuse. Every excuse for sin is lame. So now Moses is distraught because he's been in the presence of the Almighty God. He's felt the thunder shake the ground under his feet. He's ducked as God sent lightning bolts flashing around him. And now, His people, in their impatience and their pride, have broken all the commands God just gave them. They had a contract, and the Israelites couldn't even wait more than a month and a half before they had not just broken the covenant, they had stomped on it. I mean, it would have been one thing for someone to maybe have broken the Sabbath one week, or an Israelite have allowed a covetous thought to enter their mind, or even a a murder or two happened in the camp while Moses was gone, would have been one thing for a sin here and there. But this, this was an egregious rejection of the commandments. It's like they're on a mission to see how many commands they could break in one party. So imagine being in Moses' shoes, coming back, seeing all of this, and realizing you're the guy. You're the mediator who's going to be responsible to go back up that mountain and try to explain all of this to that all-powerful God. It was a daunting task because, listen, the the Israelites, they didn't have an excuse. Moses surely wasn't going to go up and repeat what Aaron said. Oh, you know, they slipped and fell into creating a a lewd party around a, a golden calf. It was all a mistake. Moses knew he couldn't do that, and he knew he knew the power of God. He knew that any violation, but especially a a violation this egregious, meant two things. First, because the people didn't keep their end of the contract, God was no longer obligated to keep his end, which is, in fact, what happened. God still was bound by the promise made earlier to Abraham, but he's no longer bound to the promises made originally as part of the covenant. And later, because of, of further violations of the covenant, this generation of Israelites would not see those promises fulfilled. And second, Moses knew that a violation this egregious not only warranted a legal penalty, it warranted death. Moses walked down the mountain. He saw Aaron and his people, and he knew immediately, the wrath of God's going to destroy my people, just like it destroyed the Egyptians. So Moses, he races back up Mount Sinai. He does it to beg God not to do what he rightfully should do. And we see in Exodus 32, God hears Moses' plea and the intercession diverts God's wrath. And we might have been left thinking 
everything's good now. We can continue on with Israel going to the promised land. Chapter 33, though, shows us that's not how it's going to be. Exodus 33 starts out, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in your midst, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. What does that mean? The Lord tells Moses he can lead the people to the land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The promised land is yours. The Lord will send an angel, a messenger before them, to drive out all the various peoples who live in the land. But listen to the middle of verse 3. But I, meaning the Lord, will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way. For you are a stiff-necked people. Something's dramatically changed. The God, who, who so far has been with them every step of the way out of Egypt in a pillar of fire or cloud, now he cannot go with them because he knows he is going to consume them on the way because the people are so stubborn in their hearts. Now, is that the mercy of God? In a way, yeah, right? God does not want to destroy his people, doesn't want any people to be destroyed, but he knows the Israelites' character. He knows what's going to happen if he goes with them. The people are going to be destroyed for their sinfulness. And what a stark difference that is from those images of communion and fellowship that we've seen when Israel was faithful to the covenant. Go back to Exodus 25, verse 8, and notice what the purpose of the tabernacle was. It was so that God could dwell in their midst. God says, this can't happen anymore. Tabernacle project is canceled. And keep in mind, God hasn't yet banned them from the promised land for 40 years. That'd come later. Even though God was angry with the people, he punished them for their sins. He didn't forget the promises he had made to their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were promises that he would not break, no matter what they did or what happened. Their sin was serious, and, and that's why he says he won't be able to be among them as they go but they're still heading forward. Now, keep reading, because in verse 4, the people respond to this news that the Lord gives them. And the ESV, I think, has a better word than the New King James. The New King James says it's bad. The, this is what the ESV says. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. One of my favorite stories in Scripture, because listen, the Israelites... They should have been struck down then and there. They were all worthy of death, no reprieve, no excuses. But Moses interceded. He begged for their lives, and God was merciful, abundantly merciful. He said, you can still go to the promised land even after doing all this, even after doing the equivalent of stumping on the promises and his covenant, God was still going to lead them forward. But now they weren't going to be able to go with him. And so they mourned. What they were getting was so much better than what they had deserved. But they realized they had just lost so much. They had lost the presence of God. And without that, they realized, what's the point? Verses 7 through 11 really detail what was being lost. Moses before would be able to take a tent outside the camp 
to meet with God. When Moses went out to the tent, the people would stand at the entrance ways of theirs. And when Moses entered, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance and the people would worship in front of their own tents. That's how close they were to God before. Moses went even further than that. Exodus 33, 11 says, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Exodus 33, 11. You know, the Israelites had a relationship with God under the covenant. But now, because of their sin, because they violated the covenant, that intimacy is gone. It wouldn't continue. God says that his presence cannot go with his people. And they could have said, you know, well, at least we still have the promised land. At least we still get God's blessings that he promised. But that's not how they react. They realize that the blessings of God are nothing without the presence of God. And in the wake of God's mercy, the people are convicted of their sins. Isn't that sometimes what we need in our lives too? We need a, a wake-up call where it could have gone so much worse, but suddenly we realize the damage our sin is causing. That's the first step in repentance. And so how is Moses going to respond to the sins? In Exodus 33, 12, then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What does that mean? Well, Moses responds to this disastrous sentence by talking with God, almost arguing with God again. Moses tells God that God told him to lead these people, but Moses is like, I can't lead them on my own. God, he can't lead. I need to know you. I need to know your ways. I can't do what you have called me to do without you. And so the Lord agrees. He will go with Moses and Moses will enjoy God's rest. After all, Moses wasn't at the base of the mountain. He can still be with Moses. Then Moses keeps going. He said to them, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Pay attention to the pronouns there. God says, you and me, Moses, we're okay. My presence is still with you, but it can't be with Israel after this. You were up with me on the mountain. Everyone else is at the base of this mountain, and they committed this awful sin. I can't be with them. They're a stiff-necked people. But Moses pushes God. Moses says, no, no, no. We need you. We need you to be with all of us. He is interceding for all the people. And maybe you can imagine the Lord taking a slight pause thinks for a moment, but Moses has moved him. He will go with the people, all of them. But please notice why. For you, Moses, have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name, verse 17. The reason God will go with the people, the reason he'll dwell in their midst is because Moses has found favor in God's sight and God knows him. Moses interceded and it pleased the Lord. What solves the problem is that God is pleased 
with Moses and accepts his intercession. That's the role Jesus plays for us. The reason God can dwell with us is not because of my repentance. It's because of the intercession made by Jesus. Jesus is the son in whom God is well-pleased and he accepts his intercession for us. So even though the repentance and mourning of the Israelites earlier was important, it wasn't enough to move God. Repentance has no value without an intercessor. And then in verses 18 through 23, after Moses has argued and moved God to give Israel another chance, even though God knows full well what the Israelites will do with that second chance. But Moses then asked God for even more. Show me your glory. And then the Lord said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But the Lord said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. And so it shall be while my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. And then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back. My face shall not be seen. So Moses asks, and God allows him to see his glory partial glory, but his glory nonetheless. How does that fit into this conversation? I don't think we should read this request as out of place from the story or a completely random request. Moses wants proof that God will be with them, that he will not abandon them. And the way that proof can be seen is by his glory. It's important to realize this isn't unusual. He's not asking for something that's never been seen before. Uh, sometimes we make this text to be that. But in Exodus, Exodus 16.10, the glory of the Lord appeared in the time of crisis when the people lacked food. Uh, in Exodus 24, the glory of the Lord appeared after the ratification of the covenant. Moses asked for a demonstration of this promise that God will stay with the people for the whole journey. In other words, put it in writing. As you have before, if you will be with us, show us. And so God responds with something even greater than what Moses was asking for. God is giving more than Moses asked because the glory of the Lord was this visible cloud. God's going to show Moses more, but he can't show everything. Rather than showing himself in the cloud, God says, all of his goodness will pass before Moses and he will proclaim his own name. So what does that teach us about our relationship with God? Well, first, we need an intercessor. Our mourning and our repentance do not matter without Jesus. Second, though, we shouldn't settle with the first blessings God offers. God was still going to lead the Israelites to the promised land. He just wasn't going to be with them. And what did the Israelites do? Did they count their blessings and move on? No, they mourned. They wept. We should mourn if God is not with us. I think sometimes we pray to God and we say, Father, I know I've messed up, but just restore my health. Or, Father, I know I've cheated, but restore my relationship. Or, Father, help me out of this debt, or, or whatever it is. And sometimes God answers and says, okay, I, I'm disappointed in your sin. It's broken our relationship, but your health or your relationship or your finances are restored. And you act like the prayer is answered. You rejoice in God's blessing. No, take a note from the Israelites. Weep. If God is not with you, none of the other blessings matter. 
do whatever it takes to get back into that relationship with God. That's what Moses does here. It's an incredible scene of bold, almost audacious intercession. The Israelites should have been totally isolated from God because of their sin, and they almost were. But because they repented and because they had an intercessor who was willing to go to the judgment seat of God and boldly intercede, they were once again welcomed back into his presence. May we be so bold to turn to Jesus with our sins that despite them all, we can have so much more than just a blessing like the promised land. We can have his presence. And that'll do it for this episode of Rooted Daily. I cannot wait to sit down and open up God's word with you next time. Thank you for watching this episode of Rooted Daily. We're praying that you're growing with us as we study the Bible and use God's word as our only foundation. If you appreciate this content, you want to make sure others see it, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app, hit the share button. Most importantly, if you're ready to take the next step, repent, be baptized, and hand over your life to Jesus, let's talk today. Just send me a text to 317-207-2734.